everyone. This is Jamie Allabach coming at you on the Peppered Podcast, where I bring season talk for food and beverage marketing and brand professionals. Uh, my guests today on the show are David and Adam Jones. They're the founder of a Peloton Cascara Tea. Uh, Cascara, we're going to get in much deeper into this during the show, but Cascara is that fruit that comes right around the coffee bean. For So for all you coffee lovers, you know, it's going to add another dimension to your, to your coffee experience. And it is a superfood, a newer superfood. I'm not going to give too much of a preliminary build-up to the show, but I will say that I think this tea that these guys have developed is one of the most innovative things that I've seen. I was at the show at Expo East uh, last month, and you see a lot of the same old stuff that just kind of gets recycled, but this new tea is super cool. There's nobody else that's doing it. It's innovative in a lot of ways, which we're going to discuss, so I'm not going to build it up too much. Let's get right into it. Dave, Adam, super excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thanks Jamie, for having us. We're excited to be here. All right. So let's just jump right into the, the main questions here. There's a lot of things to talk about about the brand. It's a fascinating brand, fascinating product. I want to get into it. But, but, but first of all, you know, what is it? I mean, cascara is not a familiar term to any of us. I know that there's benefits that come through it. We're going to talk about the origin. But let's start with the obvious. What the heck is cascara tea? Cascara. So... Um, in Spanish speaking countries, cascara means husk. And, uh, a lot of the coffee farmers, they call the husk of the coffee fruit cascara. So a lot of people don't realize that coffee actually grows on a shrub and it looks like a cranberry inside of that cranberry is your coffee bean. That bean is actually a seed that when processing happens, the bean gets separated from the cascara or from the husk of the fruit. And, um, and they take that and they just throw the husk part, the fruit part away. They dry out the bean and then they roast the bean. Well, that fruit part, because it's been wasted for years, my brother and I, we discovered that they need to do something about this. That fruit needs to be used because in anything, you know, bananas, uh, avocados, all the nutrients of things are normally kept in the husk because that has to be nutrient dense to protect whatever's inside. Um, so we started to discover this and, uh, research cascara and yeah. You know, what's funny about that is, you know, I, you know, I'm I'm a big Honduras guy. I've been going down there for a long time. We'll talk more about that when we talk about the origins. But I remember, you know, probably eight years ago, did some touring of some small farms and, you know, we're walking around and the guys are, hey, take one of those berries and just, you know, put it in your mouth. You know, and I, you know, grabbed a handful of them, you know, put one or two in my mouth and I'm there. Oh, this tastes great. This fruit is great. What do you guys do with this fruit? Here? Oh, we don't do anything with it. We just throw it out. <laughs> and, it, and it just occurred to me, that's a, that's a weird, I wonder why they do that. Yeah, it's yeah. sad. It, it's 80% of coffee is wasted. And that 80% is the fruit portion. A lot of people don't really, you know, most of it can be used, not most of it, 10% of that 80% that's wasted can be used for fertilizer. But in order to use it for fertilizer, they have to add in a bunch of other chemicals and things, you know. Uh, we use an organic farm, so they're obviously adding in all organic stuff to it to be used as fertilizer. But it's still, it takes extra time. It's a process. And then... All that waste that's still left over is horrible for the environment and for the coffee farms. So so now we know. So it looks like a cranberry. You know, we're used to seeing that roasted coffee bean and all this fruit is being wasted. And you guys came up with this idea of making it into a tea. So, so not only does it taste great as a tea, 
but there's there's a lot of benefits that come from it, right? Yeah. What, what, what are we talking about here as far as, as, as nutrient benefits? Because we know that, you know, functional foods now are hot. So we're not just we're not just drinking and eating things just because they taste good, although they have to taste good. But we want that 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 functional benefit that comes with it. Sure. So it turns out that coffee fruit is actually the fourth highest antioxidant superfood in the world uh, on the ORAC scale. So the antioxidant scale. Um, so pretty cool. And then uh, they're finding other things, too. We have some uh, companies uh, that are starting to use it as um, uh, memory and focus in their in their supplements. So it's, it has a brain-derived nootrophic factor that helps with brain health. Whoa, hold on. So yeah. I can get smarter from, from drinking tea now. Yes, you can. <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, BDNF, brain-derived nootropic factor, is actually found in coffee fruit. And that is in our beverage, which helps with uh, your memory, focus, and just brain functions. But I don't feel like I've been getting smarter from all the coffee that I've been drinking. What's what's the difference here? The fruit must be. <laughs> well, the it fruit, is. Yeah. It's uh, that BDNF is actually found in the fruit, um, not so much in the bean. Right. Wow. Wow. That's that that that's cool. Boy, you just you just in the food business, you just learn. So much, you know, from talking to different people. Uh, I learn every day. It's nuts. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just never would have known it. So, you know, one of the things that I love about your product and love about you guys is, is this whole origins piece. So I'm a, you know, as I said a few minutes ago, I'm a big Honduras guy. I've been going down there for, you know, 15 years working on some humanitarian projects and just, you know, just love it, love it down there. But it's just, you know, it's just, you know, it's sad to me because it's such an impoverished country. I mean, the people are just, you know, there's just nothing for them as far as work goes. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed on these, these coffee farms is there's, you know, people that come in and they, and they work on these farms and that's, you know, that's the time. And some of them will, you know, they're migrant pickers that go from farm to farm, but they're able to, to do this. And this is, this is, you know, a, a, an interesting thing to me. What kind of impact do you guys feel this is having on 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 the farmers um, down at down in Honduras? Well, first off, Honduras is super cool. Everybody, you know, when we went there, was like, "Oh, be careful! Don't go there; it's dangerous." It was one of the coolest places I think I've ever seen. I mean, anywhere is dangerous if you're going out in the wrong areas and going out at night alone. So. Just a shout out to Honduras. If you ever have a chance to go there, I highly recommend it. It's a very cool place. Agreed. Um, yes, it's, you know, there's a lot of very impoverished places and, you know, it's it's definitely there's some sad areas, but up near the coffee farms and the growing regions, they're really cool, delicious food, great restaurants. Um, but anyways, so the coffee fruit itself, you know, since this is a item that was thrown out and they didn't need to really do much with it except throw it away. Now that it's being used and it has to be dried out and it has to be harvested correctly, it's providing extra income to the farmers, more jobs to the farm. So they're able to hire more people, more training. So they're able to hire more people to train the people that actually have to work and dry out this coffee fruit. Uh, Selling it to us is providing extra income in all different types of ways. I mean, but it really does add a whole new, you know, new facet to to the farm because, you know, if they were taking this this part of the fruit and literally throwing it out before, now they're adding a whole new, you know, component to to what they're doing and, 
you know, they have to, they have to dry it. They have to do all this. It's like, you know, if you're, you know, if you're a, um, you know, a manufacturer of pork, now all of a sudden you found this magical, you know, use for the, the pig's ear. So now we're going to take this and we're going to, you know, we have a whole new process that we have. It's probably a bad analogy, but, <laughs> but, but you get what I'm saying. They're really adding this whole new facet to what they're doing. So they have to hire people to do this new process. And tell me, tell me a little bit about the, the, the process that they do. So it's a fruit. We know that the fruit comes off. They've thrown it away in the past. We've got the skin and the fruit. How does that, how does that whole thing work? So, so the processing part. So coffee, um, once it gets picked, it gets brought down the mountain to the processing plants, and it goes through a wet milling process that strips the cranberry off of the coffee bean. And then you'll actually see it's really cool that the coffee beans, the green beans will come out of one trough, and the coffee fruit comes out of another. And now, like I said in the beginning, what they used to do is they would take that coffee fruit and then they would just take it as waste, which now they're taking it and right away they're bringing it to dry it out in the sun on their African drying beds or out on their drying patios the same exact way they used to dry that green coffee out. So there's no, you know, crazy levels of processing that's happening with this. It's all natural. Yeah, so it is. It's a very natural process. Um, There's no crazy levels, but the only issue, you know, and part of the reason that we pay extra for this, because a lot of people think, well, it's a byproduct. Shouldn't you be getting it for nothing? But when it's dried out, Sometimes green beans will still be stuck to the uh, cascara. The cascara itself has to be really dry. So all those green beans, it has to go to a second processing plant where it gets sifted through by a bunch of workers. And that that alone is providing extra jobs and extra income to those workers as well. Mm-hmm. So you're actually taking the fruit and kind of drying it out like a loose leaf tea. And then you're making exactly. the tea out of that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the drying process, I mean, you know, it doesn't take long at all. It's uh, a two-day process max, uh, sometimes maybe a three-day process, but mostly a two-day process of just drying out in the sun. And it's cool, you know, we're working directly with the farmers to help them get that process faster so that they're able to dry more cascara out. Yeah, that's that's super cool. So, I mean, I think, you know, the impact, you know, it's basic economics, right? I mean, the impact on the farmers, if they have a new stream of revenue, they're able to hire more people in the local communities. And that's that's the way it builds down there. I mean, that's that that's just cool. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, environmental and sustainability. I know this is important to you guys from a philosophical perspective, but also know that it's that it's important for your for your brand because your product is literally made from, you know, from sustainable product that, yeah. that, that's great. You know, it's great for the environment. It's great for, um, you know, the, the, the culture down in Honduras. It's just, a, it's, it's, it's an important piece. And I know it's an important piece of your story. So talk, talk a little bit about that. So by buying this product, uh, the sustainability aspects are so cool because being a wasted product, as anybody knows, waste is not good if it has nowhere to go. And the only place that they had, that they were able to put this waste, this wasted cascara was back out into the farms, which, like I said earlier, yes, some of it can be used for fertilizer, which is great because everybody, you know, it's organic, natural fertilizer, but the portion that couldn't be used for fertilizer, and I really wish I could show you a visual right now so you guys could understand the magnitude of this waste, it just covers the farm in in mile-long rows of waste that ferments 
and becomes a compost pile. And it sits there and it festers and bacteria leaches into the soil. It probably attracts bugs attracts and all bugs, this kind of stuff. All types of things that they don't want on the farm. And they got those killer bugs down they, in Honduras too, right? They, they got some big <laughs> bugs. And it, and it just leaches into the soil and it'll kill acres of coffee crop. Now, killing all that coffee crop, not only that's taking more money away and taking more jobs away because it's less crop for them to go pick. Um, so that's really horrible. And then on top of it, obviously, any waste that's a compost pile that's leaching any toxins into the air is horrible for the environment. So by us going in there and, you know, removing this waste or not so much removing the waste that's already been laying there, but by not letting them create more waste because they're able to process it and ship it to America to us, it's just it's creating such a better environment, better coffee farms, more jobs. And uh, it's really cool to see. Yeah, it is. It is a super, super cool idea. So let's let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk a little bit about the, the consumer. So what what kind of consumer drinks this this type of product? I mean, in other words, you know, is it is it just exclusively, you know, natural products, you know, organic consumers that just want to eat the best of and drink the best of stuff for their body? Or you see this being kind of like a mainstream product who, you know, Who's who's drinking it? So we want this to be a mainstream product for sure, uh, but also a product that, you know, people that want a healthier option. You know, a lot of people ask, why didn't you go zero sugar? Why didn't you make it the, the healthiest of healthiest products out there? And part of the reason is, is because we know that this product has so many health benefits and so many benefits and sustainability and helping out other countries. But we want people to enjoy it. And we want people to want to drink it, not just drink it for health. You know, I think a lot of products out there now, they market just towards health. And you got, you know, you think, oh, well, I'm only drinking that for my health. I'm not drinking that for pleasure. Whereas then you got products that are horrible for you that you drink for pleasure. So we wanted to mesh those two together and come up with a product that not only are you drinking for health, but you're also drinking for pleasure. And it kind of it broadens the audience a little bit. Now, yeah, that adds more competition, but competition's good. And we, you know, we're out there and we're ready to fight that competition and become the best tea on the shelf. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, I, like in the morning, you know, I, I, I always, often use this analogy. You know, I, you know I, I build my smoothie in the morning and I gut it down, man. I just, you know, I drink it. I mean, it's not horrible, but it's not something that I'm going to sit around and sip for, for pleasure. That's, that's for darn sure. But there's functional benefits that, that, that are in it, and, and, I, and I do it because I know I need to do it. But this type of product, I mean, your tea tastes great. I mean, it's not too sweet. It's, 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 it's mildly sweetened, but there's all these functional benefits that come along with it. And it is something that I sit around and, and drink, you know, drink for pleasure, for Ex sure. Exactly. And like Dave said earlier, you know, coffee fruit itself is the fourth highest in the world in antioxidants. And those antioxidants, once being brewed into our bottle, you know, they come in the form of polyphenols, which are great for fighting free radicals. And then there's chlorogenic acid in it, which is really good for helping maintain a healthy body. So you're getting all these health benefits out of it. But like you just said, it tastes great. So how cool would it be that at lunchtime you can drink a beverage that tastes amazing and it feels like it's just a pleasurable beverage, but in the back of your mind, you know you're also getting a ton of health benefits. Best of both worlds. There you go. It's a win-win. And you're helping the environment. Right. Man, it's getting better the more we talk about <laughs> it. So how, how, how have you found consumers responding? Like, you know, in this day and age, 
you know right away how people feel about things. So you're probably hearing things on social media, people that have, have tried it and are using it. What's, what's your feedback been, you know, on, on, on social media about from consumers? So we are very early still, you know, we launched this product about four months ago. Um, now on the, on the retail side, getting it into stores, it has been unreal. I mean, the response is amazing and we've been selling into stores left and right. And there has been nothing but positive feedback on the taste and the health benefits and what we're doing. Uh, on the consumer side, it's it's a little early to say, but the consumers that have had it via events that we've went to, people posting on social media, I've heard nothing but good things. I mean, people are so stoked on the taste and the people that drink it say they can't stop buying it. So that's great in my eyes, but right now we're really at a point where we just need to drive more sales and get more people to try it. So if you're listening to this, go out and buy a bottle, and I guarantee you won't regret it. Yeah, so let's stay on that that that, that same thought track real quick because, you know, you mentioned buyers, how buyers are responding. And, you know, and I know, you know, being in the food and beverage biz, this is all we do. We know that the hottest thing that's out there is, is, is buyers are looking for things that are in that better for you category that are, you know, natural, organic, or that even just take that step towards being, being better for, for, for a lifestyle person because they know that's a growing, growing category. So you mentioned, you know, buyers are, are, are positively responding to this. And we know, we know from working with new and emerging brands that that's, that's always the challenge is, you know, getting that balance of, you know, distribution that you can manage and then driving consumers to, to purchase the product. So, you know, you guys got some great news that, that, that giant took you guys in, which is, which is huge for a brand like yours. And, and giant does such an awesome job of, you know, crossing over to that natural products, organic consumers. I mean, they've really developed their, 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 their floor model, their store model to, to really hit that market and hit it well. So I think that's a great opportunity. What do you, what are you guys thoughts as far as, you know, getting into a more of a mainstream store like that? Yeah, so we're super stoked about it. I mean, you know, we got into a lot of mom and pops early on, and getting into all those stores is amazing, but it's very hard to support when you're in a whole bunch of stores that are all different from each other. Now getting into a chain like Giant, you know, we're just in the Carlisle chain, which is around 180 stores. It really allows us to focus our marketing dollars and really drive sales. So it's a huge win for us, and we're so stoked to just work hard at it and really drive the sales. And those sales are then going to help people go to other places. You know, maybe they don't go to Giant every day, but maybe they're gone there every week or, you know, every other week to get their groceries. But then they're on the road and they see our product. Well, if they know about if they know about it because of Giant and they're buying it there and they're on the road and they see it at a convenience store or a mom and pop, our products in the back of their mind. It They're going to pick it up again. It rings a bell for sure. People see it. And that's, look, that's a challenge that, 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 that newer brands struggle with is that balance between, you know, the right distribution and the, the ability to be able to support it, to drive consumers to, to buy it. So we know that that's a challenge. No so doubt. That's, that's an exciting thing. Um, but one of the things I, th- I think is going to really help you guys in that process is, is your story. So, so, so genuine story, um, 
is something that, 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 that bigger companies often struggle with. You know, they come up with these big ideas or they, they, they buy a new product, you know, and some of them will try to, to either fabricate or elaborate on, on a story. And in this day and age, you know, people just see right through it. I mean, millennials, they just know. They, they can, they, they'll do their digging. They'll do their homework. They'll, they'll know what's legit and what's not legit. And I think one of the things that attracted me to you guys was your genuine story. I mean, this product has a story, and we're talking about it right now, all, all of the, the depth of this of this story, and people love that, and they be, it really gives them something that they can believe in. I mean, when, when consumers buy something that not only tastes good and has those functional benefits, but it's something that they can believe in. You know, it fits in with their philosophy in life. I, I see such potential about that. I mean, how, how important do you guys feel that that is both from a personal look, there's one thing, you know, to, to say, I want to, I want to just start a, start a company and be, you know, uber successful and do all of this. But there, there, there's something to be said about having the, the, the philosophy and things that, Hey, I want to do better. I want to leave this world a better place than, than what I, what I came out of. And there, there's so much of that wrapped up into this brand. How important is that to you guys? I mean, where, where do you see that, that connectivity with, with consumers relating to that? So, yeah. So I think that's very important, but at the end of the day, I don't think you should build a story to sell your brand. Your, your story should just happen. Um, and for Dave and I, I mean, you know, we saw that there was a problem and that this cascara was being wasted. And it wasn't about building a story. It was about making a difference. And, you know, when we started our company a, a while ago, we started in the cold brew coffee industry. You know, our story was a little different then. Our story then was to come out with the best tasting, healthiest for you cold brew coffee beverage that we could because I was a big Red Bull drinker at the time. And cold brew was something healthier for me so that I could wean myself off of the unhealthy energy drinks. Um, and then over time, you know, we discovered the cascara, my brother discovered it and, and that's how things evolved with that. And, uh, the story just kind of happened. So I, I really think, yes, a story is important, but you should never fabricate a story or create a story or make your story the reason, you know, that you're out there doing it. You should do it and let the story happen itself. Yeah. And that's what I love about it because it is an authentic, legit story about it. And by the way, the cold brew is awesome too. You know, thank you. I'm thank bummed you. that you guys don't have it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's shift gears again. Dave, tell me tell me a little bit about some of the hurdles that you guys have had with, with, with this brand. Sure. When we, when we started it, um, Adam and I... Adam was living in Brooklyn, New York as a photographer, um, doing well there. And uh, I, I was in real estate and we were looking to start something together, um, although we were young, both 24, 25 years old. Um, so we just jumped into it without knowing much uh, and not having much forethought, but we knew we had a really good product and saw that there was an opening in the market. Um, and so we were just doing it with the money in our piggy bank, literally in our back pocket, right out of college. Um, so we were doing everything ourselves, marketing, distribution, um, driving around. You know, we put 60,000 miles on our car that first year, just driving around to every Whole Foods, you know, servicing that. Um, and then realizing that when you do have a good product, you know, there's uh, there might be 10 or 15 other ones that come into the market. So one thing is, um, although we had a good product, um, there's a lot more that goes into it. And um, distribution is, is one of the pieces that uh, I think, you know, 
at least at that time frame with the hotness of cold brew coffee, you know, maybe six months to a year after launching ours and people are catching on and other big companies are coming into it. Um, you know, we were a little bit behind in terms of, you know, money, uh, that we needed to, to gain the distribution and awareness. Um, so that was, that's one thing for sure. Um, I think that's a, you know, and that's, that's a great, great point to talk about is, you know, I've seen it, you know, for as long as I've been in business, I mean, I've seen great ideas that have come to the table and great products, great ideas, and a great story, and then they just fail, you know, and, 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 and they could fail from any number of reasons. Some of them failed from their own success. Some of them failed because they just couldn't get it off the ground. You know, some failed from lack of vision. So, I mean, I think, you know, every one of those hurdles that you just mentioned is, is, is a legitimate hurdle. And I think that's why you see, you know, you see so many products coming to the market every year and yet 80% of them, you know, fail, you know, at, at, at some level. So, I mean, I think, you know, you know, you know, I, I love your guys tenacity, man, that, 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 that you want to get out there and you want to win and you want to, you know, you want to bring this great product to market, you know, for, for all the right reasons. Yeah, I think big thing too. I mean, a lot of people fail. They don't. They don't make that emotional connection with the consumer, and we're really that's what we're really trying to work on right now is creating that emotional connection with the consumer. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know telling that you know again, it's one thing to have a great story, but it's another thing to be able to communicate that in ways that that people are going to see it now. And, and and the beauty of it is, you know, you. Know, the beauty of where we're at today in, in, in the market in the marketplace when it comes to marketing and advertising is, you know, 15 years ago, you know, even 10 years ago, you know, you needed mega budgets to get out there and communicate that message. And now, you know, a story like this done right within social media can just take on a life of its own and get out there and but, but products got to be available. You know, you yeah. can get your story out there and people can love the story and love the product and maybe even order it online. But if they can't find it in their in their local supermarkets, it doesn't become part of their regular lifestyle. So I think that that, you know, that's a big challenge, not only for you guys, but for, for other brands. And that's why it's, it's super cool you guys got into Giant. You know, and I think there's some other big opportunities that are that are coming your way that, that we're going to talk more about in uh, in the coming months. So, you know, what what what's next for you guys with this brand? I mean, what do you guys see? I mean, you, you're definitely when I when I you know you know, and we only met a few months ago, you know, and, <laughs> and you know, and I really liked you guys and I really liked the product, uh, but you know, I see you guys just moving forward, moving forward. I mean, what do you guys see as the next steps? So. It's it's actually funny. Right now, we're at a position where you know we've been re- moving really fast, and we've been getting a um, a lot of great feedback and a lot of great things happening to us, such as the giant deal. You know, we're in about 650 stores right now, uh, from Florida up to New Hampshire, out to Chicago, and it's been great. But we're actually taking a step back right now. And we're going back to grassroots. We're going back to the way we started this business, like Dave said, which was hitting the ground every single day, being out there, merchandising, doing demos, getting products selling and being the face of the company. Because nobody can tell your story like you guys. Nobody can tell it like us. And, And that's what we're getting back to, you know, is we're going out there, we're meeting with every single person that's stocking the shelves of these giants. And we, we need to, and you know, anybody out there that wants to start a business, don't ever lose that. Cause I think what happens is you can get money 
and you can think that your money can work for you and and you can take a step back and just handle all the day-to-day business in the office operations. But as a business owner, I've learned you need to be the face of that business and you need to love it day in and day out and be out there. Yeah. And I think, you know, consumers connect with that in, in such a different, different way. You know, I'm a big, big fan of like Dave's killer bread. You know, I love, I love the story, love everything about it. You know, you know, research them online. This guy seems like a super cool guy. I could sit down and have a beer with and, you know, and, and eat a piece of his when bread. When he's not in jail. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and even that part, I love that part about this guy. It's like, cool, this guy comes out of prison and he's making this thing happen. You know, and then I read, well, he sold out the flowers foods and Dave's like not even there anymore. (laughs) It's like, what the heck? It's like, you know, I think consumers love that, that human element of brands and being able to connect with that. I think that's super important and super cool about you guys. And, and, you know, you know, Adam, you mentioned something just a second ago that, you know, you're taking a step back from from things and, and, and really, you know, approaching it from a grassroots. And I think, you know, we I get a lot of brand people that listen to this show. You know, some of them work for big companies. Some of them are smaller emerging brands. And I think that is an important piece of advice because, you know, one of the things you always hear, you know, there's two things I always hear from emerging brands is one is, Distribution, distribution, distribution. We gotta have more distribution, and and distribution can kill an emerging brand. The wrong distribution can kill it. The other thing I always hear is, "Hey, we need PR." You know, well, no, you don't need PR. You know, you need to you need to drive consumers to the stores that have your product because you know PR is 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 a mass piece that drives you know make drives mass awareness, but your product's not everywhere. So I think that that taking a step back from 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 distribution and saying, okay, let's take what we have now and let's really make this successful and build a story out of it and then really start looking for that next mass point of distribution. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I, I wish we would have uh, thought about it a little bit sooner, but you know what? You live and you learn and, and you got to take everything in this business as you know, an opportunity to go further and to keep on moving. You can't ever say, oh, I made a mistake and dig yourself a hole and cry in it. You just got to keep on hustling. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, we know we have one of the best products out there on the market. And I truly believe that via health benefits, taste, uh, and you know, everything that it's doing for everybody, but, uh, we just got to hustle. And we got to get it selling and selling fast. Yep. You learn, you know, we're learning every day. You learn from your mistakes. You learn from your losses and they help you, they help you move forward and, and, and win even stronger. Hey, did I miss, what, did I miss anything about, about the story here about we're the brothers. brand? Yeah. Yeah. The brothers. We're brothers. <laughs> yeah. How do you do it? I think, I think if I was working with my brothers, man, we, we'd have to set up like a cage, you know, somewhere where we could beat the shit out of each other, you know, on a regular basis. <laughs> it's we have that it's crazy though. Everybody always asks, how do you work? with your brother I wouldn't have it any other way and I know Dave wouldn't either I mean it's it's especially on business trips there's nothing better even though Dave snores like crazy but there is nothing better than going on a business trip and you get to go out to dinner with your brother or you share a room with your brother not some random person that you know you're not even that close with I mean we got it pretty easy working together. That's awesome. We got the same thing here. You know, people always say, how do you work with your wife? And it's like, I don't even think about it. You know, we just, we enjoy working together. And my son works here now too. So it's, we got the family gig going on. So it's awesome. I mean, there's nothing, nothing better than family. No, nothing better than family. That's why I got it right here. That's family right. Family first. You got it. 
Hey, so before before we sign off um, and end the show, give you know give a little bit of a, a plug for the brand. Talk you know bring a little of that passion. Talk about you know why you know why buyers should be interested, why consumers should be interested in this product. Lay it out, man. Yeah, I mean, because Peloton Cascara T is loaded with antioxidants. And if anybody out there doesn't know that antioxidants are good for you, now's your time to learn. Antioxidants are very, very good for you. And like I said earlier, it tastes amazing. So why not taste something that tastes great or drink something that tastes great and get health benefits from it? I mean, I I don't see a loss there. And on top of that, you know, like we talked about the sustainability aspects, the helping the farmers and the more product you guys drink, the more we're able to buy Cascara and the more help that they're getting over there. And I mean, I know, you know, probably most of you have never seen Honduras or been there, but if you got a chance to go over there and and see these people and see the environments they work in and, you know, even though I told you it's beautiful, which it is beautiful there. They're living on dirt floors on these farms. They're, they don't have much. They're not making a lot of money. And every extra penny is helping their economy so much, uh, way more than you could imagine. And it's just super, super cool. But, um, yeah, drink Peloton. Yeah. I, look, I could have a whole podcast just talking about that. I mean, they... I mean, if if your only experience in life has been growing up in this country, you need to get out and see, you know, one of these third world countries because they live in a way that you could just never imagine. I but mean, they're the happiest people but they're ever. Happy. That's like, ex- that's exactly uh, right. They're, they're Tito happy and Ricardo smiled the entire trip. Tito had no teeth, but. I've never seen more smiles in my life. I mean, he had beautiful gums. Yeah, so buy more Peloton so we can get Tito some teeth, man. Yes. <laughs> Tito was the greatest, too. He'd yell at the cows, ah, woo. So, Tito, if you ever hear this, now you know I love you. You got it. Listen, tastes good. It's good for you. You're helping the environment, and you're helping the world. Guys, thanks for coming on. It was awesome. Jamie, thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Hey, it's Jamie Allabach. You've been listening to the Peppered Podcast, where I bring season talk for food and beverage marketing professionals. Let's grow your brand together. (laughs) 